You're listening to What's in the Box, the Xbox News Reviews, Theories, and Conspiracies podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh Hutton, and I'm joined by the man who recently got coked out at Carol's 69th birthday party, Kyle Sandin. Where nothing, and I repeat, nothing regretful happened. (laughs) Sure. It's quite the accomplishment. (laughs) The man you know and love Uh, as the king of the accordion, Hunter (laughs) Seelock. Also known as a squeeze savant. Oof. Oh my god. Uh, the man classically trained at the Jared Leto School for Clowning, Brooks Nickel. <laughs> uh, fuck that guy, right? And today we also have a special guest and friend of the show, Adam Dan, a man whose glassware I have destroyed on multiple occasions. Yay! <laughs> new, new dishes. New dishes. I don't know how many of your glasses I've dropped while visiting you. But uh, we're so glad to have you on the podcast tonight, Adam. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Hola. Adam, we've mentioned him several, several times on here. Mm -hmm. He is uh, a a dear friend and also a a very wise mathematician and tactician and will help us with our discussion of loot shooters. Yeah, I I had the honor of training old hunter in the ways of first person shooters <laughs> long ago <laughs> long ago adam's your adam's your sensei yes sir yeah i destroyed him with the plasma pistol in halo that and then old kyle i'd i'd uh before the days of streaming i'd basically stream snipe him in games of call of duty <laughs> yeah. on in there and hope i got on the other team and ruin his day <laughs> it was it was hunter hunter was involved in that uh well, yeah, boys. yeah. What a shithead. <laughs> well, Hunter, why don't you kick us off with a little bit of news? Uh, yeah, the, the biggest story really was Microsoft and Sony announced that they were going to get together for a new cloud-based solutions for gaming experiences. Nobody oh, really yeah. knows. Yeah, nobody really knows what it means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is the first time that Microsoft and Sony has come together in any sense of the word, really. Uh, but the biggest deal yeah. was that PlayStation knew nothing about it. It was done at like, the head offices of Sony. And the way it looks is PlayStation's crew found out when we did. Uh, it's almost certainly <laughs> it's almost certainly that it was for negotiations and all that kind of shit. It just it's just a bit strange, a bit of a strange optic. This kind of reminds me of whenever uh, we talked about Google Stadia entering the mix, and Kyle, you um, aptly said that it seemed like Microsoft was a little scared. And this seems like a a maneuver to be like, okay, we've got to come together because we're about to have something that's going to change the gaming landscape and are in. Yeah. Right. Well, Hunter, you said nobody really knows what it means yet, man, but I think it means the future is upon us. (laughs) We live in the future. Yeah. The future is now. Someone got a stupid amount of money. That's all it was. Today is just tomorrow's yesterday. God damn it. Nintendo's also rumored to be in talks. Uh, (laughs) with Microsoft for gaming in the future uh, for streaming. But again, nobody really knows what that's going to look like or anything. That's just, yeah. that's some stuff that's been thrown out there, you know? So we'll see. Hopefully that'll all come out and that'd be cool interesting. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. It does sound great. Good. idea. I think, I think Microsoft's been really smart with their collaborations lately and appealing to people on no matter what device they're on, whatever platform, you know, they've got the Xbox app on Nintendo switch now. And I know you can like link certain games to your Xbox account, like Minecraft and stuff like that, where you're getting Xbox achievements as you're playing it on your switch. They've really opened up these collaborations and I'm, I'm excited to see what that means for them 
in the near future. Right. Yeah, that'd be very cool. I, I think this is this is a good move for probably everybody involved because indeed it could go any either way. All the big names now could get to may have to get together to fight off and compete with new companies that come in with stream based. You know, that's maybe what this is all about. They realize they can't fight new competition by themselves. So you try to you try to group up and link infrastructure and all that kind of shit and maybe compete with with a Google. You know, if they end up starting to yeah. throw down in the next couple of years, or somebody else may come in. Hey, fuck, Jeff Bezos may come in with Amazon and have their own streaming deal. You I know, there's a lot of money it, floating to around. Me, it's yeah. just going to turn into you're going to buy your hardware for the exclusive titles alone. All of your online stuff it won't matter anymore. You know, you can play Call of Duty on PlayStation, Xbox, but you, you can be playing it all across the board, which, you know, there are some games that support some crossplay already. So I think that's just the next logical step. I, I agree. And I think basically what Google has right now seemingly as an advantage is the tech itself and, and kind of the ubiquitous nature of, of Google. But they don't have games, as we discussed before. It's going to be a while before they have any type of exclusive for Stadia that's probably yeah. worth the shit. Um, exclusives but they've got the money to build infrastructure and some talent to to build some of those games you know and if you're microsoft or sony or any guy any of these guys wouldn't you think like there's an opportunity there to just step in and kind of just be like hey we'll take that off your hands for a you know nice amount of money Mm. oh yeah 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 and provide content for it as well yeah that, that may be the way it goes um but I, I i think that this move is like oh if we all work together we're probably going to have a pretty decent competing tech and we already have the games because we've been doing this a hell of a lot longer than you have <laughs> you know yeah for um, sure i'm curious to see how it all pans out but i, I think ultimately uh, i think the next couple of years are about to get really interesting as as gamers well you were mentioning to me the other day uh about something you saw on the call of duty that's slated to release in 2020 Tell our kind listeners about that. Yes. Sounds like developers have changed. There's been a bit of a row between <laughs> Sledgehammer and Raven. Yeah, I saw that. That's um, Brooks, how, how do you feel about that? Because I, I know you had a pretty big affinity for World War II, uh, which was made by Sledgehammer. Fuck it, I'll just say it. Uh, I mean, I, don't, I can give a shit less at this point. It's all Call of Duty. They're just yeah. going to slam it and force feed it down your throat regardless. They're just going <laughs> to, at this point, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed World War II. It had some inherent flaws, especially with its online, like, uh, you know, its maps were really small. And so they didn't do anything as far as generating different spawn points. So you pretty well had one place. And if you got locked down and camped, you got locked down and camped. And it, right. I mean, it was frustrating. But uh, which was, what one did they do before World War II? Advanced, is it advanced warfare? I always get the time. Yeah, advanced warfare. I can't remember that channel. I and this this last Call of Duty is the one only one I've really gotten into in years, and I feel like at some point I I started liking the Sledgehammer ones more, um, yeah. but I could be completely wrong in that own assumption of what I once thought. But anyways, uh, they're if I'm not mistaken, they're just changing it from that three year cycle down to a two, so it yeah. just means you're going to have one studio that's doing it, and they're going to have yeah. one less year on that cycle to produce the game. And so to me, that that can't really be good in any way unless they finally just take it and say, this is the direction of this franchise. This is what we're going to do. We're going to produce a couple games in the same avenue and stop trying to add all this new and different shit. I don't know. I'm just, just say, it's tired. It's the two-year thing had me worried too, but at the same, if they, I feel like they're going to base it off of Black Ops 4 a good bit, which was just multiplayer, probably going to have a lot of the same core basics. So 
they may be able to make the two years work, you know, not having a campaign and all that. Yeah. Which is which is sad. Well, I think, okay, yeah. I think on this one, it said they were going to pull the campaign work that they had already yeah. done, and mm-hmm. that would be the campaign for Blops 5. So they're taking the, the multiplayer that we already have and that we play, and then just kind of pulling the campaign in and setting it, I think it was in Vietnam, is that what they said? Yes, yeah, that's what that's what's been asked. I think it's set as an older set for the back. Of the well, I don't it know. may change. We'll see. It's hard to be optimistic for anything Call of Duty, but you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure that I'll spend the money on it. <laughs> I always like Sledgehammer, and so I, I kind of hate this because it's. I, I think of the last few Call of Duty games, they've made the ones with like the least queasy like microtransactions and stuff. They've made games. Oh yeah. They updated frequently and and had like a pretty high value without nickel and diming you to death. Um, and so I think on that front, I'm a little leery of it because I, I think Sledgehammer. I think the World War II campaign was pretty pretty solid compared to recent Call of Duty games. I think the Advanced Warfare camp or Advanced Warfare uh, campaign was pretty decent as well. Um, I mean, it's all still that Call of Duty hoorah kind of over-the-top mm-hmm. heroic bullshit, but they were still better campaigns than Ghosts or uh, Infinite Warfare or Black Ops 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with Activision doing so many layoffs and stuff, I just kind of worry about the future of, of, of Raven or Sledgehammer. I'm afraid they'll, they'll get picked they'll up by Google. Don't it. worry. They'll be all right. Yeah, that's, there you go. <laughs> hey, <pss. laughs> You know what would be really cool? If they would do a Call of Duty game somewhat like Overwatch, you know what I mean? Or maybe just a game mode. And instead of four. Uh, yeah, but let me finish, motherfucker. <laughs> but instead of picking these shitty ass operators, they made like character models of like Schwarzenegger and you know Stallone. So it's, it's expendables. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so give me expendables. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun though, man? Uh, you know what I did. Josh, cut that out of the podcast. It's my idea. Yeah. <laughs> Who would you play as if you got the Expendables lineup yeah. in the game? Who's your go-to? Oh, man. I'd probably have to go with like classic John Rambo uh, yeah. with oh. uh, with a heavy machine gun, you know, shirtless. J- Just... Jason Statham's my man. He's that beautiful, choose. short, bald-headed man. He looks uh, just like Kyle. really white like him. That's well, comes <laughs> him. I think I'd go Dolph Lundgren every time. <laughs> yeah, you would. Of course you would. That guy fucks. Okay, well, um, Brooks, why don't you tell us a little bit about Microsoft's E3 lineup and the news that broke on it this week. Yeah, so um, pulling a list from an uh, article on GameRant by Dalton Cooper is, came out May 19th. Um, and so there's, you know, E3's coming up, and there are some supposed leaks out there. The validity of those is, you know, it's hard to say if they're true or not. Uh, <laughs> I just want to read this little part of this article to you guys. Because uh, it sounds like just absolute bullshit to me. The leaker is apparently someone named Brawl Dryer from <laughs> Neo Jaff. Neo Gaff. Apologize. Um, which is obviously an acronym for something, but I didn't look it up because, like I said, it sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> but anyways, mm-hmm. uh, they supposedly have supposedly have the entire lineup here for Microsoft's uh, 2019 E3 press conference. Um, so I'm going to run down the list real quick, and then we can jump into them individually if you guys want. Uh, but they're talking about Halo Infinite, a uh, new trailer with holiday 2020 release date. Uh, Gears of War 5, full gameplay reveal with September release date. Um, Gears Tactics, a uh, new trailer with a release date. 
Ori and the Will of the Wisps, new trailer with release date. Bleeding Edge, uh, new IP from Ninja Theory, will be cross-gen sci-fi game. Uh, the Outer Worlds, new trailer and release date. Cyberpunk 2077, yeah, baby. Gameplay trailer mm-hmm. and release window revealed, which is not a release date, but, you know, whatever, it's closer. Uh, Fable reboot, tease for next-gen Fable game. Um, sea of Thieves, new content, who gives a fuck? Uh, <laughs> Battletoads. Gameplay and release date, Battletoads, baby. Uh, Project X Cloud info dump, uh, next gen Xbox, so baseline of the specs, and then third party games. Uh, so that's that's kind of the initial chunk there as a high chance of happening. Um, and then, of course, there's uh, some more on here Mech Salt, Forza Motorsport, uh, new yeah, Capcom yeah. game, rumored to be a Resident Evil 3 remake, or maybe a new Dino Crisis game. Yeah. Um, so. There's some next-gen uh, Rare game that's supposed to be releasing, a uh, Perfect Dark reboot, um, and some other Xbox Game Studio uh, acquisitions. So, you know, if... I saw uh, that on... I'm going to interrupt you real quick. I saw on Perfect Dark, they're moving that to a different studio, is what most people think. So hmm. Rare is actually... There is another Rare game. Yeah, like, yeah, there's the next It's not Rare Perfect game. Dark, yeah, which the, is interesting to me that they're taking that away from the. It's reportedly in development at Delala Studios with Rare yeah. supervising it. Um, so you know they still have a hand in it at least. Surprised to not hear a, a Halo title on the list. <laughs> that was literally the first thing you said, <laughs> yeah. Kyle. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Halo I didn't say Infinite. that. I swear to God, I didn't Halo hear that. You must have cut out or something. New trailer yeah, for the yeah. holiday 2020 wow. release date. I did yeah. not hear that. I'm no, you're good. So that's still <laughs> a year away, but the fact that, you know, there's... Oh, it's Red Dead all over again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. The fact that there's, like, uh, uh, you know, if the rumors are true, um, an idea of a release date for Halo Infinite is pretty cool. Because I know a lot of people are pretty stoked about what that's going to be. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Hey, hey, Kyle, did you uh, did you hear there's a new Halo coming out, man? I, I like, well, yes, I did, Adam. Heard it from my good buddy Brooks here. Oh, okay. Just, just want to make sure you were up to date on stuff, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, Glad to hear. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm excited to see what they do with Gears Five. Um, I'm I'm hoping they find a way to kind of evolve that game past some of its its roots. I I, I would like to see some new gameplay mechanics in that series, but that one always feels good. Um. And I'm super stoked for Fable. Uh, I know Kyle, mm, you and I have yeah, talked about how we love playground games who make Forza Horizon. Yes, um, and they they're doing Fable this time, and I Ooh, I can't wait awesome. to see what they do with an open world yeah. that is not tied to cars because it's so difficult to make an open world car game that's like really engrossing. And they fucking mm-hmm. did it with Forza Horizon, and they did it four times. And yeah. I can't wait to see what they do with something that's, that's well, not tied to, to cars just because I, yeah. I think there's so many more possibilities. Um, Very but I'm, I'm stoked to see that. And uh, on the subject of open world games, another thing that um, I wanted to s- slide in here while I had the mic was uh, this article I'd read where they're talking about uh, some rumors that Miyazaki uh, from Software, the uh, creators of Dark Souls, um, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, and yada yada, you get it. Um, and George R. R. Martin are working together on a game. And in the article, mm-hmm. they talked about how there's some pretty solid information from from software that it's been in development for about three years. So uh, might be getting some some Game of Thrones, Dark Souls action going on. No wonder they rushed this last season. 
<laughs> yeah, I think that'll be awesome. That, that's like a that's a pairing that's just like almost unbelievable. Well, yeah, and, and I think it's like it'd be really cool for them to use that world. I don't think yes. it'd be cool for any of the characters of Game of Thrones to be in there, but to use that world and from software's roots are so steeped in that European um, history anyways, you know, and obviously it's, it's yes. all fan fantasy and just like Game of Thrones, but they draw a lot of that fantasy world from, you know, European medieval times. And it, it, it would be really cool to see that come back. Cause it, it almost be like a reimagining of dark souls, I think. Um, yeah. which, would be, which yeah. would be really cool. Not that it needs it, but I think it would just be awesome. And both of those, like both Game of Thrones and, and Dark Souls have this aesthetic of like decay and high stakes and like kind of the loss of oh, absolutely, absolutely innocence and ideals and stuff like that, you know, and I, yeah. I, I think that that pairing together, I, I think the potential there is really cool. I, one thing I wanted to add, I guess two things. First, since Sony's not showing at E3, Microsoft's going to sweep up so many third-party games to show at their uh, briefing, oh, yeah. which oh, is going to wow. be huge yeah. for them because everybody's going to tie these games to Xbox, which is going to be a huge boon to them. But secondly, I wanted to say that I saw one thing that that same leaker that you mentioned said might get mentioned is Microsoft acquiring IO Interactive, which is the company that makes Hitman. Uh, they also developed like Kane and Lynch, though I don't know that they have the rights to that anymore. I think um, oh, very cool. Square Enix maintained that. But dude, I would, I'd fucking love that if Microsoft would go in on IO Interactive because they went independent. They broke from Square Enix um, a little over a year ago, and I think having having some big Microsoft money would be huge because those developers, it's a smaller team, but those guys are of crazy skill, and I, I would love yeah. to see them have some have some big money to make some more games. Give them some dough and let them go. That's right, <laughs> baby. Uh, yeah, I, I think the E3 lineup looks good. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm kind of curious how in-depth they go with the next-gen stuff, um, particularly since Same. we're getting a little bit of info on PS5, uh, which is kind of trickling out, I think, in kind of a weird way. We're seeing like demonstrations where they're showing how quickly games load and stuff on PS5. I think like uh, they showed using that most recent Spider-Man game, they showed it on a PS4, and it took like eight seconds to load like a fast travel or something yeah. screen on the PS4 Pro. And then whenever they showed it on the PS5 hard way, it was like 0.8 seconds. So they're talking about how like seamless yeah. like, everything's going to happen. That's nasty. Jesus. Which is great. And then I, I, I anticipate that Microsoft will use an SSD internal drive. Just like, I don't think that's going to be anything different. It's, I think they'll have similar load times. But It's great if you don't like reading the same like game tips over and over again for six minutes. <laughs> but for those of us that, that truly grab joy from that, we're kind of fucked. Yeah. All the like Skyrim did you know this? Oh, yes. Watching some <laughs> object slowly rotate. Or, with or Fallout filler. Uh, how, how you can change the, the views from like the regular view to x-ray vision or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It's a regression. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. I've, uh, um, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Division 2's latest content release and, and how that's going over? Yeah, I'm the defender of Division that they keep mentioning every now and then. Um, <laughs> but right. before that, I, I have some breaking news. Oh, uh, shit. It looks like at E3 this year, there's going to be a new Halo revealed, guys. Oh, that broke me. <laughs> Just broke me. <laughs> uh, that's great. 
Kyle's soundboard right now. Kyle's <laughs> thinking in his head right now. Fucking Adam. He's thank God he's a guest spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but this week Division Two finally dropped its first raid. Um, it's when it first came out. I I was kind of watching the live streams going on, and there were just so many people that couldn't even break it past the first boss. Um, but good old Marco style, he's one of the big uh, big streamers and uh, kind of guide makers for Division. He and his group managed to beat the first raid in just over five hours, I think. Um, since then, speedrunners have it down to like 24 minutes was the record last time I looked at it. And it went pretty much unbeaten on console for a while. Um, I think the first console clear time was 24 or 36 hours. I can't remember off the top of my head. But now they've gotten that time down to about two hours. Um, and the first boss that they spent five hours on on console, they have clears in like seven minutes now. So uh, there was some talk about, yeah, yeah, it it was it was brutal learning it, I guess. Um, but well, Adam, if you don't mind me interrupting you real quick, uh, do you think the console times had anything to do with the fact that because when it released, you couldn't match make, could you? No, you can't. Um, you still can't matchmake right now. I think more of it had to do with the differences in uh, aiming and frame rate on console uh, versus PC. On PC, yeah, I guess that makes sense. It, it, it's really easy to just kind of drill headshots into some of the bosses, and on console, that's a little bit more difficult. So the kind of build that you have to go for is a little bit different on console, and people just weren't really ready for it. But like I said, now they've they've kind of got it figured out and figured out what what builds to do. So that time is down. Um, there still is not any matchmaking, like I said, and this is, it's not something you would want to matchmake. It's not designed as an activity that everybody should be able to do. Like most raids, like mm. e- even in, even in destiny too. like, uh, I don't mm. think a raid is something everybody should be able to clear personally. And, yeah, that's fair. Um, mm. It should be something that only like you, you should have spent time in the game. You shouldn't be able to just, go in without any thought and say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing in two hours. It, it's something yeah, that I agree. you should put time forward. And that's kind of what the developers for division wanted it to be is something that you mm-hmm. put some thought in, you get this group of eight people together and you, you roll through it. Yeah. I don't know why they always make an outcry when there's not matchmaking on that type of activity because you wouldn't want it. It, it would be so brutal. I mean, when you matchmake on really, you know, I, I think each of us have griped about like playing a competitive shooter or something, and you're playing yeah, a competitive playlist or something. And if you matchmake in that, and you're playing solo or you're playing with a small group, it's brutal the people that perish you with most of the time. You know, yeah. And and, yeah. and a raid's kind of a similar thing because it's such an this this aspiring challenge. And if you don't have a group of skilled players or a group that you can communicate well with. Um, it's very unfun, very fast. And, and I don't know yeah. why people always freak out about it. It's the same as getting a team comp on Overwatch. Yeah, but that's what yeah. I was gonna my, say. my only thing about it is like some people don't have eight friends. Or yeah, that's what friends. I was going to bring up. Eight, eight is a lot. I was surprised when they went with an eight player count and, and not just because of the number, but because of typically how the, I guess the shooting galleries were, were the, set pieces in the game are designed eight seems seems kind of wild to me just to put that many players in the, in the spaces they usually um 
allowed. But. Yeah, the the spaces on this are a lot on the raid. I, I haven't played it myself because I haven't been on Division Two a lot lately because you guys aren't on Division Two. The spaces seem a lot more open, so that eight people can freely move, and on several of them there will be like four four basic zones, so you'll split up into uh, groups of two in each little zone and stuff like that. So it it looks like it's built well, which uh, I, I didn't have any doubts about that because they've always kind of done really good level design and set piece design. Um, that's something I've always been impressed with in the division. Um, I think Josh mentioned that the one of the bosses where just fire erupts everywhere and it, it's just a really good set piece that seems like they carry that on into the raid. Yeah, I think particularly with Division 2, their their level design is of a much higher quality than the first game. I, I think the first game was still fine on a lot of the missions, but 2, like you go to cool places and the changes in it are, are I do think that's something the game does really well. Yeah, so the raid's out. Um, if you can find a group to go with and you're at the max gear score, then give it a go. It It looks really interesting and I'm eager to try it out one of these days but did you see i don't know if this is something you want to talk about on this podcast or save it for later but legislation was just presented recently for uh kind of like a microtransaction ban in video games mm-hmm. in the u.s yeah, that, i saw like, that rolled like out. games that target minors in particular yeah yeah so I, like I, anything that awesome. enhances progression or anything like that specifically for games that appeal to minors yeah i i think that's awesome i think it's something that really needs to be scrutinized and looked at and there are very few games that i think do like a tasteful or appropriate job of that and i I think one thing that's like a pretty easy fix to that aside from you know maybe addressing the appeal to minors because that's that's a problem and unto itself Mm -hmm. but even just people beyond that people that are adults i just wish people would be more transparent with drop rates and and stuff like that knowing like what the percentage chance is of even getting something worthwhile in these there are very few Mm -hmm. games that show that information yeah Uh, apex shows that apex shows that which which i think is good apex i think has a lot of issues with how they monetize that game and i hope that's addressed in their next season but yeah. Um, they at least are clear and upfront about the percentages on their loot boxes. I, I, I'm glad to see that, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Some of these adults out there, the white whales, as you call them, who will just like spam the buy key to buy those keys on Rocket League and it sends them to the poorhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know of anybody that does that. No. Fucking retards. <laughs> oh, Kyle. Shout out. Oh, no. Shout out. <laughs> Oh, fucking no. Christ. Moving on. Why don't we talk about what we've been playing lately? I know we've all sent quite a bit of time into the regulars, uh, the Apex, the what Rocket League. Uh, Brooks and I have been hopping into PUBG. We played a little bit of their PTS. They have an update coming out next week. Yeah, um, we won. New gun coming out. Uh, MP5 uh, handles a bit mm-hmm. like the Vector. Cool. It's pretty fun to use. Um, yeah, but... And yeah. What did you tell me? One. We did. That's right. Yeah, everyone. Stop the presses. We got a chicken dinner. We played one <laughs> match, one night, won it, and we called it good. Yeah. Didn't play it again. Washed uh, our hands of it. <laughs> uh, and then Kyle, you and I, we hopped into Hunt Showdown, and uh, you loved yep. it. Yep. <laughs> First ten minutes were so thrilling. 
<laughs> I'm glad we've played this because it's a game I've been yeah. like really interested in. And you and I, we talked about, but we love the crisis engine. We love those cry engine. That's what they call it. Yes. It's made by Crytek, and they did the crisis games. They did the original far cry game. Um, and I love that engine. It like, I love how oh, yeah. shooting feels. I love how like weapon like mods work in those games. They have kind of a built in, mm-hmm. uh, infrastructure for that. But this game is slow and the shooting is kind of unwieldy and mm-hmm. uh, did not love it. It didn't feel real clean. Um, even just in like hit registration and stuff like that with a small player count, all of that stuff felt kind of off. Um, so clunky. Mm. Yes. And it might be better on PC. It's been out on PC for, so. I think about a year, but on Xbox, I would not recommend it at the moment, but I'm, no. I'm glad we tried it out in beta and didn't shell out any money for it. Cause I was yeah. not particularly impressed. Um, but it, it's got like a good atmosphere. It's got a good soundtrack. It's kind of this like Louisiana 1920s, 1930s vibe. And then with mm. like monsters and stuff. Um, so like, just stick to I'm, that upset I, I'm upset. I'm upset. I really wanted to check it out. I, I, I think there's like a margin of potential there, but I, I think it's man, it's got a lot of work ahead of it. And something about it reminds me of that evolve game where it's like, there's oh a, yeah, there's where a you good idea. Oh, that was a fun here. monster. Yeah, and and I think evolved it all of it better. There's like a good idea here. Yeah, but how much am I really going to play this? Because evolved, mm-hmm. like everybody kind of got burnt out on it pretty quick, and and we hopped into it and we played yeah. it a bit, kind of after its heyday. I think it, it was like a games with gold or something one month. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of fought AI, and it was fun, but it, it wasn't like. Um, so fun that it stayed in the rotation. So oh, yeah. something about it kind of feels asymmetrical and feels like it, it won't be something that I would want to spend a lot of time with, but I'm, I'm glad we checked it out. Anybody play no. anything else they'd like to mention? Yeah. A uh, game that, that doesn't need much uh, work that we played that I would really enjoyed. Uh, Dauntless. I feel Dauntless like they've, uh, good. I feel like I they've, played, I played the loading screen of Dauntless. <laughs> okay, that's well, mostly what everybody has played, but they're working uh, on it. Yes. Yeah, Adam, that is a theme on this podcast where I like to say something that I feel is absolute, and then one of these guys will uh, walk <laughs> me back in how fucking terrible uh, I am at knowing things. Uh, so yeah, the servers definitely need some work. <laughs> um, but for a free-to-play game, um, it's it it is really awesome. A uh, lot modeled like it's modeled after Monster Hunter. Um, which I have not played much and these guys can tell you more about for sure. I think it is for somebody like myself who really enjoyed monster hunter, but at the same time is not so great at managing all of the different systems um, that monster hunter had. It simplifies a lot of that and it has like a cleaner user interface. Right. It has much more precise movement than monster hunter. Um, it's it's, well, it's and, more arcadey and stuff, and and you're not mm-hmm. like tracking a monster for several minutes or anything like that. You find them really quickly and, and just get to the fight. Um, and so it's 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 a kind of a synthesized version of it. And um, man, you know, we, we were talking about this year that has been really disappointing in gaming for the most part. There's been Mortal Kombat, there's been Sekiro, but as far as your premium triple a games that's about it as far as like a high quality but in in free to play fortnite's still doing cool things apex was is great and then um now you have this game dauntless which is free to play absolutely um, and 
the progression system is very generous for a free-to-play game. You you level up your armor really quickly. You look, get new weapons really quickly. The monsters, um, after you fight probably, what do you think, Brooks, three or four monsters, like after that, then they start really jumping in difficulty and they have different yeah. stages and, and yeah, you and, have to and play I, a little smarter. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then once you hit like level seven, they just start dumping a bunch of different monsters on you too. And so it, it's cool. And like I said, I, I didn't play a lot of Monster Hunter. But when when you said it's simplified, Josh, I I love that you're able to when you when you can play the game right now. You have your little hub world. You go to a map. You pick a hunt. You match make, and then you jump in loading screen. Drops you off on the planet. You go maybe a hundred yards, find the monster, fight it. And I hated on Monster Hunter the amount of time it took me to find like where the damn monster was at, and especially because I get turned around a lot on those games. And, uh, you know, there'd be people fighting for five or six minutes before I even got over there. And so they've just kind of stripped that away. And it's it's a lot of fun. And along the lines of the progression system, I mean, it kind of hooks you in. You want to keep fighting and getting the stuff you need to build the weapons and upgrade them and, you know, buff your damage stats. And unlike Anthem, it shows you your damage stats as you're increasing, you know, weapon power and stuff like that. And so it's a lot of fun. Josh and I both played way too late last night. And then Josh got off, and I played even later. So, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it 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 digs your hook. It hooks you. You you have to get certain warps to upgrade armor and weapons. And one of the cool things is when you get to a certain level, they give you the ability to do a patrol, which it just randomizes a monster, and you go in and you fight it. But you can get six orbs, uh, orb chests, I guess, whatever they're called. They're little gold chests, but you're guaranteed. 10 orbs in each one, I believe, and you can do six of those a day. So they give you everything you need. And then their hunt pass is uh, how much, Josh? It is uh, $10 for their season pass. Right, right. And it's, uh, I think, 50 days. Um, and I, I think that this type of game, I think it's really smart to monetize a Monster Hunter-esque game in this way because what you're looking for as far as new content is new monsters to fight. And as far as the world of game design goes, that's a pretty simple thing to add in versus a game like Destiny or Division where the expectation is a raid or some type of really challenging in-game activity that has to be meticulously crafted and um, involve a ton of players and stuff like that. I I think that um, it's a really smart model to to do this with. And and I'm kind of curious if Monster Hunter is going to change how they price things. I mean, they have an expansion coming out in September. um, And... Man, I I know for me, I think this is going to scratch the itch I have for Monster Hunter, at least right now. I mean, that may change, but um, it gave like, me an itch because <laughs> I didn't like Monster Hunter. Yeah, and and like Monster Hunter, I, I guess real quick, they they have the different weapon types, and they don't have as many as Monster Hunter. I think Monster Hunter probably like ten or twelve weapon types, and and each one plays very differently from from the others. Um, and that, I think there's maybe. Five, six in this one. They're a little simpler to play, but they still rely on combos and and knowing each weapon. And um, I, I've been surprised by some of the design. Like the the hammer in particular is kind of slow to wield, but 
it gives you a lot of agility options with it. Like you can do a double, double jump with the hammer, or you can phase one direction or the other for like this massive weapon to also be something where you can be really quick and, and get around is something that's kind of uncommon in a game. And um, so there's, there's some design decisions there that, that mix it up and make it really fun. Um, I think we'll call this a hands-on on Dauntless. I think we're all pretty happy with it aside from the server performance, which it's just, you know, it's cross-platform, so it's supporting where you can play with people on PlayStation, you can play with people on PC. It's the first game to launch with that type of support. Yeah, um, it's early. You said you guys early. pointed out that it, you said it seemed to be getting better over the last day mm-hmm. or two. So my only my only nitpicking was that first day that we played. You we you know we played for like half an hour and maybe only played like actually fought monsters for like five minutes, but. Their, their server servers are so locked down; it was hard to even get in. It wouldn't even let you in for a lot well, of it, you know. And that that stuff that, that stuff they'll line out. I'm not, yeah. you know, I'm not too bent out of shape at that at the moment. If this is still going on in three or four months, I'll be pissed. But and the silver lining there too is that even through all of that wait time, the server still performed better than Black Ops Four did the first night we tried to play. Right, agreed. Exactly. <laughs> Plus, it's free to yeah, play, so I, it's less, you know. Yeah. I, I would highly recommend checking it out. I, I think it's one of the best games that's come out this year right now. I don't want to call this a review just because we're so early in the game and it's hard to gauge yeah. like how challenging it'll become or yeah, how or satisfying the end game will be yeah, at this point. And so I, I think it's a game we'll probably revisit in a few weeks and, and talk about, you know, if we're still playing it and what's working, what's not. And so um, I think huge amount of potential. Um, check it out. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, any other games you guys have been playing? Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, Adam, Adam, why don't you tell us about Overwatch? They finally dropped the workshop on to the live service, which is the best way I can convey it to someone who doesn't already know about it is if you can remember like the the Forge in Halo where you could go into like the item menus and like give scripts to specific items to create wacky game types. Right. It's kind of like that, except it, it's not a level editor. It is strictly messing with the code of the game. And they kind of <laughs> let some of their developers go work on something on their own, and this is what they came up with. So it's kind of, people have been using it to make all kinds of different zany game types um, just to kind of mess around and play some on Overwatch. Like, you you mentioned Nintendo and Xbox. Well, they've got Super Smash Brothers Overwatch, basically, where it turns it into a side scroller, and you're you're just playing deathmatch side scrolling, but it's all your Overwatch characters. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. super cool. They they've got like they made McCree Hot Potato, where you're just trying to shoot each other or roll past each other, and you're passing the burning potato between each other. Or um, you've got Lucio races and Diva races and Hampton or hamster races going on um and like they've upgraded and a paintball so that it's it's a whole different game type i played one with hunter the other day where in order to kill somebody you had to go teabag them no <laughs> so, leap him and then teabag him it was a lot of fun that's awesome it'd be fun <laughs> with a whole pot full of people yeah that, that's that's kind of thing it's i i want to get some of you guys in there and just play what play around with some of the game modes, see what we like, what we don't. Do they have matchmaking on these modes or on these type of game modes? Is it like a custom match where you'd have to invite? Yeah, yeah, it's it's in the custom games browser, so you can look online at YouTube and find a, the different game codes for the game types that you want, and you just 
type that in and you download the settings and then you can host the custom game with your friends or you can put it live and let other people join in the game's browser. But um, it it looks like it's something that can breathe some more life into Overwatch. It's I. I, I love Overwatch myself, but uh, I know some people can oh, get fantastic. down on them. But mm-hmm. it's, I, Brooks played it long Note. before I did, and he kind of hooked me into it, and then I brought yeah. Old Hunter in. Like Roadhog. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Threw my hook out. Nabbed you Hunter, up. Hunter pulled me in. <laughs> yeah, that's ah. awesome. And I'm yeah, still the elusive... Big titted, yeah, sassy Josh. lady that you just can't <laughs> quite get your hands on. Um, speaking of a, Josh, come out. of elusive, <laughs> big titted ladies, let's talk about our feature this week: the state of loot shooters. And Brooks, if you don't mind to kind of take lead on the anthem discussion, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've discussed it be before. Great. We I'll say there, there's there's still things to discuss about anthem. I thought it was dead. Yeah, yeah I think that will be know, the general takeaway. <laughs> if you'd like to know our opinions on Anthem, please see podcasts one through seven. Yeah, all the all the information is is contained there. Now it's it sucks. Let's let's be honest. the The one good part of the game is is you you spend the least amount of time in it, and almost like the the complaint with the Dauntless servers, except for we know the servers will be fixed. They're not fixing this. Uh, you you jump in and you go through a loading screen and a bunch of bullshit dialogue to get a mission. You go through another loading screen to go out through a loading screen to go fly around for 10 minutes and do some awesome combat and then come back through two more loading screens. You get loot that is vanilla as hell. It doesn't, you know, nothing yeah. looks better than the next thing. Whereas in, you know, dare I say it, uh, Destiny 2, you, your epic weapons and stuff like that or whatever they call them nowadays, uh, they look cool. <laughs> they at least right. like look different and do different things. These are just it's the same thing over and over again, except for now I have a blue one instead of a green one and you know, yeah, oh I got a so gold one, me. but it doesn't do much more. Yeah, it's so weird to me that they didn't make it where like armor was something you picked up and was constantly switching out. That you yeah. just had kind of these yeah. modifiers that you picked up instead of having changes to your armor, which was was really odd design choice. But I, I think like for you know, and we've talked about this before, like flying around uh, it's fun. I think the combat... I, I don't like, think that different... was an odd design choice there, Josh. I think they plan to monetize the crap out of that fancy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and that may be so, but they didn't really offer that many different sets to buy. I mean, there was only yeah. a couple at launch, and they haven't added many since. So I, I don't think it, it's it probably generating much in the way of revenue for it. Well, and, and monetize it to hell if you want... But you're not going to make any money if it's not fun, and it's not fun. Josh and I had so much fun playing it solely because we treated it like a B-movie. I mean, I I laughed more playing that shitty game than than I've laughed in a long time, just the (laughs) awful dialogue and story they were trying to tell. I mean, it's it's told through one-liners. It it may (sighs) hold a record for the most one-liners I've heard in a game. It's yeah. it's it's pretty intense, and it's it's, like it's just Duke Nukem and then Anthem, and Duke Nukem at least yeah. had some like memorable <laughs> one liners. I couldn't tell you one from Anthem. Anthem tried, <laughs> did not. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, just stuff like you know, get get phased and just just <laughs> uh, it's just garbage. It's brain garbage. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. 
Bricks, your your claim to fame with Anthem was you you hosted a wonderful show called Anthem After Dark, mm-hmm. where you yeah. answered um, inquiries from people about their sex lives uh, while uh-huh. playing Anthem. And I have I have one here. Oh um, God! And it says. Dear Brooks, if you could eat any food off of any part of the female anatomy, what food and what body part would it be? Uh, absolutely. Um, I'm not playing Anthem right now, so I don't totally in the but um and who is this from? I believe Kayla twenty three from Ontario, Canada. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah. Shout out to, you know, our brothers and sisters up north. But Kayla, that would be a walnut. And it would be off the small of a woman's back um, because <laughs> Bricks is on a diet. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I and I think the rest speaks for itself. But thank you for your for your inquiry, and you know, uh, keep keep on flying, keep on rocking in the free world out there. Yeah, if I could interject, not to steal your thunder, I think I would go twice baked potato between um, the mammary cannons and that little cradle. Oh God, oh, God. this is. <laughs> What about your spheres? <laughs> Somebody break out the line speech again for Josh. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we're back heathens. to Anthem. Heathens, yeah. Josh. We're not fucking degenerates. <laughs> a fucking walnut? You need a fucking walnut on the small one's back. <laughs> yeah. What a savant. I'm um, <laughs> One thing that always bothered me in the game was like uh, they had all these wacky sci-fi terms. Oh, it's the anthem of creation and blah blah blah. But there was no oh, context. My. Like you had no idea what any of these terms fucking meant. Oh, <laughs> they just floated around aimlessly. Yeah, the like parts of the story that were supposed to be cool felt like the shit they didn't use from Destiny. Yeah, yeah, I like, I agree. And it even it even followed the same plot trajectory as Destiny Two, almost to the T, in the sense that everything gets fucked at the beginning. Um, you go through, and like the final boss fight was identical to the final boss fight in the base game, where you fight a guy who goes through three different elemental damage phases. It was the same thing in Anthem. It was just a total fucking ripoff, and it, it was uh, it just uninspired the whole way through. And I, I just want to talk real quick about the difficulty in the game because we played through the bulk of it and breezed <laughs> through it, and then we just would play certain activities on the same difficulty. We played through most of the game on hard, right? And then we would play certain activities on hard, and all of a sudden we're getting one shot by like little ads and stuff, and it was like, why? What is oh the reason my. for this? There was no warning. There was no recommended like gear score or anything. It was just like, oh, all of a sudden you're fucking dead every two seconds now. There are so many times oh, that during that that Josh and he would play the same like freelancer, which are the suits they're called, and we'd play on the same difficulty. And Josh would be like, "Why do I have four fucking shield bars now? I had two last time. I had three the time before that. Now I have fucking four. Because it would just change, yeah, like, it would just random. Change it random. It would be like, oh, shit. And sometimes you'd have, like, a ton of them. You'd be like, there's, like, ten little shield bars. <laughs> and this time I've got three massive chunky ones. Is this better or worse? <laughs> like, I don't know what this means. Uh, yeah. What a piece of shit game. But, yeah, on the current state of the game, they were supposed to do, like, some really big uh, content drops this month. It's the end of the month. They have said mm. zilch about it. 
They were supposed to do add a cataclysm, which was supposed to be one of their bigger, more organic features to the game. Uh, that hasn't happened. And they haven't released any official communication, not even a tweet in a month. So yeah. <laughs> that's a bad sign. Jump the ship. Um, yeah, I and I think they yeah. should jump ship. Can anybody ship. say think... Xavier? Yeah, it seems it, it yeah, does. No, it it kind of mirrors no. that Xavier calling route. That's where the calling started mm-hmm. fucking up. Because there was whenever they rebooted like Origins or whatever, they were really communicating with people. They were really addressing stuff for about a month, and then they stopped doing it. And guess what? The player base went away. And if you're not like top of mind, or if people don't feel like you're invested in the game or like fixing things, they're gonna leave. And that's what we saw with Anthem. Um, I've seen several news stories about people unable to match make for certain activities in the game now, so the the player base has really fallen off. Um, anyway, Anthem, piece of shit. Bioware, move on. Get some better talent and get some better people with better vision at the top, and try again. Because we do yeah, love like, many of your your franchises, but I feel like Bioware is Bioware is like that professional athlete that like was super super good in their prime, and then and then they're at that point now where it's kind of like all right, they're playing you, for the Washington Wizards. Yeah, you've been to three teams <laughs> and you try a different sport, bro. Like it's time to get yeah. out of limelight. Maybe Brett just... Favre on the Jets and he's sending dick pit picks to journalists. <laughs> yeah, I think he was starting to go back up there. What? <laughs> <laughs> he had them, he had them tight ass Wranglers on, dude. What'd you expect? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He landed one. Oh fuck! Never mind. Just shout, uh, shout, out, shout out to uh, Cowboys and Packers fans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk Destiny Two, a game. Or we don't, that, or we don't have to. Oh, we have to. Yeah. Um, this is one of my my favorite games, um, and and I've I've hung with it. I took a, a siesta after their Warmind DLC, and I didn't play it again uh, for probably probably six or seven months. Um, and so I was late to the game on the Forsaken content, and they'd already started their annual pass, which includes three pieces of content. The first. Uh, being Black Armory, the second being Season of the Drifter, and the third, which comes out June 4th, uh, Season of Opulence. Um, the Black Armory focused on weapon forges and had some really cool uh, designed weapons and stuff that you could farm in a, in a kind of a satisfying way. The Season of the Drifter focused on their Gambit mode, which is a PvEVP mode um, that's pretty fun. And then Season of Opulence seems to be centered around raids in some capacity, but they haven't really released details on that. I think what I really enjoy about Destiny is it's a game that at its core is really satisfying to play in the sense of how how you move, how your abilities work, uh, how it shoots. To me, it's like the best Halo game that's been made because, you know, you go back and you play these older Halo games like the Master Chief Collection, which we've done uh, recently, mm-hmm. and, and they're still really fun to play, but... You know, there's there's certain like modern um, conventions in the FPS genre that are missing. You know, on some of those earlier Halo games, you can't sprint. Um, your movement's really slow or, um, you know, maybe how you melee or whatever. You know, there's different things that don't feel quite as clean as they do in a modern shooter. Um, and so since Bungie made those games and Bungie makes Destiny, there's that Halo DNA is still very much there. And the last two Halo games have not been particularly great. And so to me, it's like it's still 
is as satisfying as those old Halo games to me uh, with a modern update. It's probably what helped draw me to the first two Destinies there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think in combination with that is no matter what type of gamer you are, I, I, I guess with an interest in, in a shooter, there's some type of activity you can play and enjoy in the game. So you might not really mm-hmm. like the Crucible, which is the player versus player stuff. And you might never want to play the competitive stuff. Um, but there's raids, and which is a challenging in-game activity. There's strikes, which is kind of like a mini raid and a, kind of a 10-15 minute setup. And then uh, just the mission structure or there's different kind of farming activities and stuff that you can play in a really casual way or you can ratchet that up to a really uh, sweaty play style. Um, so there's, there's something kind of for everyone. And I think... Also in the genre, there's a pretty decent story content compared to these other games. Um, I think the the base game of Destiny 1, the story was not great, but the Taken King story was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, in Destiny 2, I think the base game was fine. It was kind of generic sci-fi, but it wasn't terrible. Um, but their Forsaken story was really cool. Uh, what they did with Kate 6 and that I think was awesome. Um and then they've added these like kind of lore and fan service missions where you get exotic weapons. Like I mentioned, I think a week ago in the Outbreak Perfected or Whisper of the Worm, which is kind of an update to Black Spindle. Both of those are like timed missions um, that are really challenging and, and rewards you with really powerful gear. And then I want to talk real quick about the loot. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, I'll shut up. What do you guys think about the loot in Destiny versus some of these other games? I like it fine. It some of that some of it can be frustrating when it just you got to get Spirit Bloom or whatever the fuck it was called. You know? Sure. Um, yeah. Certain. I mean, yeah. Some of it seems. Some of it just kind of seems pointless at times. You know, it's it it can seem a little grindy, but I agree. It's I haven't played a whole lot of loot shooters. Uh, Destiny Two is the one that I played the most out of any of them you know i mean the, the rest of the game's fine but it never really seemed like it was that huge a part of my gameplay you know what i'm saying it was more grinding the missions to get the the like the strikes to get the loot that you needed i wasn't gonna, yeah like but i wasn't gonna go around i very rarely did i go around hunting chests because i had to have this loot when i could just go to a mission that would give it to me or some shit like that you know so i don't know i may be way off base there but it's hard for me to compare it to other stuff because i haven't put a whole lot of time in on a lot of other loot shooters, you know? I think it's miles beyond Anthem. And I think the game, I, I think it's kind of like a, a pick your flavor in Division versus Destiny. Uh, because I think what Division does really well is like a constant kind of scaling where almost anything you do is is rewarding. And that's not really the case in Destiny. You can do a lot of shit in Destiny that's not particularly rewarding. Um, yeah. But I think when you do the things that are rewarding, the type of gear you get is really impactful or looks really crazy or um you know different things that can completely change how you play the game and and i i think that part of their loot is really good yeah i always did like their weapon structure all the different effects where you'd have to switch weapons depending on the fights you're in yes yeah and i think one thing that's really nice about where it's at right now when destiny 2 launched it was kind of like you had set weapons that you had to run basically to be successful mm-hmm. um there was, there was maybe two different loadouts you could do at the beginning of the game and you had to really lean into that meta and right now i have the opposite issue where there's so many different things that work that i feel conflicted about what to run and i think that's a good problem mm-hmm. to have in this this type of space where it's 
there's so many things that are satisfying and fun to use. That's rare on any PvP game, oh, yeah. that the weapons are yeah. so... Like, yeah, I know you've mentioned that specifically about the competitive. You know, they've done such a good job balancing the weapons. And I was taking... The game's yes. been out a while. It wasn't always this way. No. But, you no. know... It was really I heavy on scouts for a while. And it was really mm, heavy right. on autos for a while. And right now, you could pretty much run anything in PvP. And Not very many shooters that balance it out that well, where you can pretty well make just about anything work. You know, I mean, even... Even the Call of Duty games. There's some guns that are just shit, dude. You're never going to make them work. You know, there's certain types yeah. of guns that you're never going to make work. So I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that balance that shit out. Yeah, my my brother is really big into Destiny 2 as well. And he's said kind of the same stuff that Josh has. That it's it's kind of the recent updates are similar to like the Taken King. And I, I played it when it first came out. And I, I cleared the first two raids. And I, I enjoyed it. But to me, it felt like destiny one the same same kind of game and i didn't really want to spend and i still don't want to spend more money to get destiny two again um right like it's just kind of their their content and the fact that i in order to do some of this stuff i'd have to buy into it and then spend all the time in it again i've got I've got other games to play, and I got kind of burned out on it with those first few raids and stuff. And it just Likewise. didn't seem it didn't seem new enough for me. And I, I I would probably really enjoy it if I got back into it, but I just don't want to spend the money to get back into it. I, th- I think you're talking about the biggest issue with the game, and that's that high price point. That I think they yeah. have to take another look at how they monetize the game because it, it's silly. And, and I think the exact really, same position yeah, think, as Adam here. Yeah, I think they fucked themselves when Forsaken came out. Because if if it had just been, hey, we're putting out this big piece of content in September, which they do every year. We're putting out this big piece of content in September. It's mm-hmm. $40. Even that is like, uh, because you're thinking, now I've spent 100 bucks on this fucking game, right? Mm-hmm. Even that kind of sucks. But that's what they'd done before. There was a precedent for it. That would be okay. But they announced at the same time, Oh hey, and we're doing an annual pass that starts in December for another thirty dollars. And so it was like everybody that was kind of excited about the fall expansion was then like, wait a second, I gotta pay more than the price of a full game for the next, you know, year of content. Mm-hmm. And, and dropping all of that at once was a terrible idea, um, just from a marketing perspective. And I think it was really discouraging to gamers. Um, and and I didn't go in on it for a long time because of that I, I caught a deal on it one time where i didn't have to spend that much and then and that's the only reason i, I did it but I, I, i'm kind of mixed on it because for me personally i could play it more than almost any new game i would buy and so the value is there for me to spend that money because mm-hmm. i'm going to enjoy it i know what i'm going to get i know it's going to be of a pretty high quality because you know bungie gets griped out all the time for nerfs and for different things that they do or um different monetization whatever the case may be how things level um, people constantly attack them and, and they're, it seems like they're always kind of on the fire. But at the same time, if you compare what they provide in a game versus like a Call of Duty game or a Battlefield game, I mean, it's just eons above all of that in like what's expected and what yeah. amount of content is there. Uh, there and there's exponentially more content. I, I will agree with you on that. Well, that's where I get fuzzy because you know, a lot of the content from my history of it was in endless grinding 
And so that just yeah. pissed me off. You know, I'd spent 40 bucks and I'm spending half my time getting this stupid spirit bloom, like Hunter said. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think they fixed a lot of that because they have like vendors where you can buy a lot of that kind of crafty shit now. And so you don't have to necessarily farm it. Um, I, I think the only things I'm really playing with consistency lately are like PVP and um, Gambit and uh, different kind of in-game activities that I know that, oh, I do this this like three times and I get powerful gear or I get this or whatever. You know, like it gets to a point where there's enough avenues um, and, and part of that's just the game being out long enough that it's rewarding of my time now in a way that I, I think it's the least grindy it's ever been, particularly versus Destiny 1. Um, I think Destiny 1 was way grindier than Destiny 2, personally. Oh, yeah. I agree. Um, By far. And anyway, I, I, I love the game. I, I honestly, you know, we were talking the other day about games we could probably, like, we only had to play one game. I think, Hunter, I think your wonderful wife, Alexis, posed that question. And, and I think right. Destiny would probably be that game for me just because it, it scratches a lot of different itches for me and has a lot of um, modes and stuff that I like. I think I could just sink a ton of time into it and, and have. But let's let's move on. That's enough Destiny. Let's, let's get to the reason for our incredible guest, Adam, being on the show. Adam, why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, Division 2, why you're enjoying the game, um, some issues you see with the game and, and, and where you see maybe the game in the immediate future. Yeah. Um, so I've already talked a little bit about the raid that came out. Um, Division 2, I, I just really enjoy kind of the the tactical nature of it a little bit. And it, it seems weird because the Division 1, you could just kind of run out and if you had a semi-decent build, you could just kind of tank shots and you didn't really have to worry about cover. But with this one... If you try that, you will just get melted. So I, I really enjoy kind of the, the cover system that, that they modified kind of the damage and stuff from Division 1 so that now you actually have to use cover. Um, like I said, I, I haven't been playing it a lot just because I don't have you guys to play it with. And if I'm playing Xbox, I don't I don't have the time to put in that I used to now that I got a little baby girl. So if I'm playing, usually I'm playing with you guys. The, the Just kind of the stuff that I really enjoy about it are the... The community is really strong, and in the game, I am part of a clan, and you can, it has, like, dedicated clan chat channels, so if I'm on, I can jump in, and I can jump in the clan chat, and anybody that's in my clan, I can just talk to them and say, hey, what are we learning, what do we want to do, that kind of stuff. Um, Which is and, so awesome. I wish more of yeah. these games had that. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah you so usually it, have to do some type of LFG servos for that, which is, that's cool. Yeah, it, it really kind of helps the community. Like, uh, I jumped in it the other day with the clan leader, and I was just talking to him, and he's in kind of the same lifestyle situation that I am as far as, like, kids and not a lot of time to play, but enjoys playing Division when he gets to. And then as far as the community stuff, they also do, like, a weekly live stream for the community that they get on, and they say, hey, this is the stuff that we know is wrong with the game. This is what we're fixing with the game. This is what you can expect from our future content. This is when we're releasing it. This is why we delayed something that we delayed. They just, they're just they very transparent, which is the complete opposite of what you mentioned with Anthem. It's, yeah. Um, and I, I know Destiny 2 in the past, they're pretty good about that, but it's it's usually in a blog format. And right, and that's this still is the like, case. Yeah. yeah, with Division, it's live-streamed on YouTube, and they share, like at the end of the streams, they 
share like community content, like artwork and cosplay and stuff from people. That's just that's they cool. really try to bring the players in into the studio with the devs to just kind of say, "Hey, we're here. This is what's going on." Um, yeah, I do think that's that it's it's massive, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, massive. Okay, they. As, as far as developers go, man, I almost everything they do. This, I mean, Division Two, excuse me, is 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 not necessarily a, a game for me, and it's probably the reason that Destiny Two has kind of lost the shine for a lot of you guys. Is on Destiny One, I spent so much time in it, and then when it came out, Division Two, it, it was it was similar enough. It was like, ah, oh, shit, I'm gonna do this again, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> where, yeah. Where it was, it was kind of that same feeling where it's just like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this again. Because um, I didn't, I didn't sink the same amount of time into. Destiny one as you guys did, so I, I think it's kind of a similar parallel. But I have nothing but respect for Massive and almost everything they do. I think that how they design things, I think how they talk to people, their community. I, I think everything they do is incredible, and I not only wish them continued success with, within the genre, but I, I would love to see them make other games. I, I, I would, yeah. I would be very interested in anything they made. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 and that's that's I, I just, I mean, I enjoy it. It's it's a lot more replayable than some of the other looter shooters because of the way they kind of built their mission system. Um, like if you're going back to replay a mission on hard, each kind of encounter area that you go into will have kind of a point system and it will buy enemies in the background and say, okay, this time you get two heavies and a lot of red bars. And then the next time you run through, it might be a lot of purple enemies, but those heavies won't be there. So it, it kind of mixes up the encounters that way, which is, something a lot of the other loot shooters don't really don't really do um i didn't realize it did that that's really cool yeah yeah so it's 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 kind of neat in that way like if you're if you're playing the story mission it's always the same enemies in the story mission um but when you go to replay those missions it'll do that and then they've got the invaded missions where it changes out for their fourth faction so instead of the kind of rioter group it will be the advanced kind of paramilitary with all the advanced tech and stuff um so they've got different enemy types in the missions and things like that um but yeah and man all the loot anytime i play the game and i'm going through us talking about loot shooters i I have to actually like spend time and look at each item before i deconstruct it because you may not want the item itself but it may have a talent that's really good that you can move over to the gear that you are um so so each piece of loot is potentially something you can use um, and that that's a really, really solid piece of design that they did there. But yeah, that that's kind of why I play it and why I enjoy it. Um, kind of the, the downside of it is, I mean, the grind is still there because every piece of loot is valuable. And there's there's so many different types of guns and different brand types for your gear that you're you're grinding out for that one specific kind of god roll, and you it yeah. just you can just never come across it. Um, yeah. It's kind of mitigated by the fact that you can transfer stats and stuff like that, but it, it can still take sure. a while. And I think like like the grindiness of these type of games, is, as long as they're still rewarding, like like we've all played mm-hmm. games where you're grinding and you're getting fucking nothing or it's taking 
800 years to achieve anything. But when you're playing these type of games and, and you're you're constantly rewarded with something, even if it's somewhat grindy, like that's the game. Like that's the whole yeah, fucking yeah. game. Like I don't think it's like a real criticism of any of these. Like you either like that or you don't. And and that's fine either way. You know, some of us like that's that kind of meditative, that similar experience where you can kind of just sink into it and decompress and just play it and you know what mm-hmm. to expect and you know how you're going to get it. Um, and it can be really satisfying. And 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 I I, I do think that's a, another strong point in division. I I think how they've managed their loot and yeah, you might have to keep replaying a lot of these activities. But I didn't realize what you said about the replaying, like those missions where that that changes. But they also have a lot of different organic things that happen within the game. Um, and you might have to remember what they're remind me. I'm sorry, what they're called, but like the. Is it like control points or something? Yeah, where you have different enemies will like retake over certain spots on the map mm-hmm. and stuff. And all that's kind of happening in this dynamic fashion that makes yeah, the game when, feel a little bit more alive. Yeah, when you hit the end game, the basically the whole map kind of comes alive again. And you've got the the four factions that they they have kind of their main areas, but they'll like venture out and one group will try to take control points from another group and they they'll be fighting each other and you can roll up on them and you can take over the control point yourself for the for the good guys um and th- there's like a whole background system going on that controls how these guys interact with each other that it, it's just a really kind of neat little system going on how's the pv how's the pv uh pvp is there a dark i didn't play much of it so is there a dark so zone I, element yet the, there is dark zone i have actually not stepped foot and i haven't even played the very first mission of dark zone uh, yeah. that was when, well that seems really common and i'm kind of curious why that is because uh, i've seen a lot of people say they're they're not really messing with dark zone this time around and that was like the main appeal I, of the I honestly first don't game. know. Like for me, for me personally, I would go in, but I would want to go in with a crew. And in sure. the first division, anytime I stepped foot in the dark zone was with you, Josh. Um, even in the yeah. first one, I never went into the dark zone by myself. Um, so it, for me, it's kind of like I, the clan I'm in is mainly focused on PVE, so they don't yeah. do dark zone, and I don't have any friends playing that do it, so I don't, I don't bother it. There's enough. EVE content to keep me engaged that I don't need to go into the dark zone. Um, yeah, because I know they were talking about raising the gear score cap or whatever, and they were going to tie it to the dark zone. Am I right in that? And and turn yeah, funnel that, players into that. That triggered a lot of people, so they backed off. Yeah, and, and they backed off, <laughs> and 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 because people weren't playing it. And then I, I, the only thing I can think of is like the experience that the dark zone offered was kind of this like Rust or um, Daisy or you know that type of experience in a in a in a triple A setting, where it, you just had no fucking clue what was going to happen, and that was that mm-hmm. survival component, um, and it was high risk, high reward, and it was really satisfying. But but since mm-hmm. the Division One came out, you've had all these BR games that have synthesized that same experience uh, into yeah fifteen twenty minute matches and stuff like that. And so I, I don't know that it's mm-hmm. as appealing. I, I think that for me is why I'm I'm not quite as interested in it as I, I once was. I, I, yeah, I think that's so weird because that was like such a huge deal for the first game. Yeah, it, it's just like I said, it's something I haven't really gotten into, but it, it's something I'm looking forward to. Something else that they're kind of uh, I, I've started seeing pop up on some of the channels is that they're hoping that they bring back the uh, speaking of the battle royale stuff the kind of survival game mode that they dropped at the end of division yeah, one that mode was cool um, it, it's like a 
Battle Royale, but you have to survive the elements while you're playing it. Um, they're hoping they kind of implement that somehow. Um, I liked all of their... I didn't play the PvP-focused DLC from Division 1, but I... I, I mean, I think I play a round or two, but... I, I, I did enjoy both like the procedurally generated dungeons with the underground yeah, yeah. and then the, the, underground. the survival mode. Was, I, I thought both of those were really cool. Also, I mean, another kind of bonus is that all their content is, is free. They're kind of going the opposite of what Destiny did, where uh, if you got the game, anything they drop for it, you get. So that's that's kind of a bonus to it. And they're they're constantly changing things. They're trying to trying to work on build diversity right now because right now it's pretty much you play dps and the skills aren't that meaningful but that's something they they did well in the first division and i i expect that they'll get there eventually on division two but they're they're still working on it kind of making me want to play it which hurts me in (laughs) some weird oblique way um Um, I'd like to talk about the future of the genre real quick and, and, and we'll wrap up. Um, Kyle, if you don't mind, how do you see Borderlands 3 kind of um, rippling these waters when it releases in September? And I, I'm looking forward to finally... I think this is one we're all kind of excited for. So I'm looking forward to a game that we can all kind of play together again. Because right yeah. now we're kind, of, we're kind of a bit scattered. But... Oh, yeah. Well, the instancing is going to be such a big thing for that, too. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing inherently against Division 2, but at this point, I mean, I tried to play it with you a couple times, and it's just, you're such a higher level than I am that it, it, it almost becomes unfun if you're it, at that lower that, level. They by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I think Borderlands will bring in, because it doesn't matter if Josh's main grind is Destiny 2, and yours is the Division 2, and we might be on other games. All of our characters will be able to play together seamlessly in Borderlands Three, and I think that'll be huge. I think it'd be great. It's, it's kind of hard to compare with the other ones, just the way it's set up. It's kind of cartoonish, just wildly Atlantis and some stuff. So, yeah, and, and the, the time commitment it expects from you is very different as well. Mm-hmm. As we talked about before, and yeah, that's that's probably another thing about Division Two is just the time commitment. There, I I have a hard time playing it with the Taking care of the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and Borderlands inherently, I'm sure three will be the same way. It, it looks like it. it just, it takes itself less seriously yeah. than these other installments. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it's much more fun because of it. It feels like less of a grind and that's, and then like Borderlands has always felt just like less of a grind. And it's another game where like the loot is, and we've again talked about this a few times where, it's immediately rewarding and you're constantly getting it and it's, it's fun to play around it. And all of my gripes with borderlands seemingly have been addressed with three. It looks like you've more mobility. There's more verticality to the game. The shooting looks cleaner. Like all of that kind of stuff seems like it's, it's getting fixed. Um, so I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm honestly excited that it's not a live service game, uh, that it will be something I can play for a month and be done with because I've got plenty of live service games that I'm happy to, you know, play when I can. And I don't need another one of them in particular. And I think for this genre, that'll be nice break for people for a while. And then they can return to the games that they enjoy playing, whether that be Anthem Division or Destiny. And Hunter, do you, do you have any, any, 
thing that you kind of see on the horizon with this genre in particular? Anything that you think will be a major player or a major factor in the next year or so? Uh, it's it's hard to say, man. I mean, it's I may not be the may not be the guy to ask. Well, like I said, loot shooters is not one of my not one of my fortes. Yeah. I mean, I missed the first division, didn't play the second, played very little of D one, didn't play Borderlands or Anthem. So it's it's hard. I don't even really have a base to base to make it to make an what, estimation. Okay, well, no, no. Let me reframe that. What what to you is somebody that that's that certainly is somebody that plays a lot of shooters. What would it take to get you in the door? Like, what type of content would would convince you? Okay. I'll check that out. That's a good question. It's a good question. I don't know. Uh, a lot of those, it may be Borderlands because a lot of it's a time commitment deal. You know, something we're all playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think I'll have a choice <laughs> if I want to play with you guys. <laughs> I have to play Borderlands. Sure. That's uh, right. Absolutely. It, it's it, it's going to be probably the time commitment's going to have to be moderated. Mm-hmm. You know, because certainly talking about Division Two and needing all this time commitment, you're not making me want to play anymore. I've got enough shit mm-hmm. to do. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, sure. And it's the same thing with it's the same thing you mentioned on on Destiny 2 is I played it I played I kept up with it through the first couple of raids and played it mm-hmm. daily at some points but certainly every week and got all that kind of shit but you know you take a little step away and kind of like you mentioned Joshua shit it's 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 overwhelming the amount of time it would take me to catch up now to where it's at that I don't have time for it dude cuz I still like to play Rocket League and I like to play the single player yeah. games and You've you know got a- You've got Apex. to appeal to casual gamers. You have to appeal to casual gamers. Yeah, because um, yeah, it just. And I'll say this real quick. On Destiny in particular, they have a system now where you can get within like sixty points of the top gear score really quickly. Um, so they they kind of address that. I just don't want to like overlook the fact that they're trying to address that issue. Yeah, sure. Because that's. Cause because I mean, I really enjoy like the movement and all that kind yeah. of stuff in the game. Like the gunplay on Destiny Two is great. Borderlands is colorful. I have the mind of a toddler, so the bright colors and funny lines yeah. keep me entertained. Yeah. I mean, they're all great. Uh, the Division Two, I don't, I don't mind the cover system. I'm a, I played Gears of War back in the day pretty religiously, mm-hmm. so I enjoy the cover system. It's not even the gameplay that that I can't that doesn't keep my attention. Yeah. It's it's the, the and I love daunting. the weapons and stuff in Division yeah. and the real world yeah. and setting and all there's a lot of stuff i like about the division certainly it's just that mm-hmm. a lot of the same things i like in division i can get in PUBG or rainbow six or you know like those right. games but that may be just the time commitment of it you know what i'm saying because it's like you compare it to like rocket league there's been times where we hadn't played it for a year and threw it in and we're immediately having fun and you're caught up and everything's fine yes. and you're matchmaked with people your skill level and you go from there yeah, I can't do that shit. Of crates. And that's that's virtue yeah. of the genre. You know what I'm saying? Which may be sure. why I haven't been in it a whole lot. So it's it's hard for me to pin it down on, to talk shit on any one loot shooter, honestly. Yeah, I think the thing I really like about loot shooters and, and something that I miss just with like playing with friends is having something that is a challenging aspect of a game. Like when we do a raid in Destiny where everybody's working yeah. together and we're not getting frustrated at like playing PvP where a myriad of things can go wrong, but you're, you're, you're facing some challenge and you're doing it together. And those moments where you overcome that is, is really satisfying and it's fun to hang out and dedicate a time and make a plan to do those kind of things. No matter what game it is, it doesn't need to be destiny. Yeah. 
you know, we, we had several moments of that on Division, and um, I hope that we have several moments of that on Borderlands 3. I, I love that aspect of this genre more than oh, yeah. anything else. And I do wish that it, there was a way to kind of synthesize it where it was easier to get everybody to a point where you could do that. And I, I think maybe even that's why I like Dauntless right now, you know? Like, it's it's Hell kind yeah. of simplified, and, and it's challenging pretty quickly and you can play with buddies. And one thing I'm concerned about this fall is with Ghost Recon coming out, I'm honestly afraid it'll cannibalize some of the division players more than Borderlands will mm-hmm. or potential division yeah. players. And it's not so much because it's not a loot shooter, but it does have in-game activities like raids. And I think like for myself personally, a tactical game where it doesn't take six magazines to kill somebody is appealing to me like where I know I'm going to kill somebody in a couple shots or whatever. And so I, I kind of worry about Ubisoft cannibalizing their own game because I think at about the same time that game's coming out, I bet Division is going to start pumping out some more interesting game modes because I have no doubt Massive has that in store for players. That's an interesting um, take. Like I'm a little worried about that. I, I feel like they should have waited and held off on Ghost Recon um, and let Division do its thing and, and, and get the most out of that IP. Um, and then I wanted to say, there's a lot of people that think Destiny 2 shouldn't release anything this in September because of Borderlands. Like, there's no way they can compete. I just think they've done it every fucking year. They should keep doing it. Like, it's not... I, 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 I think people are going to play Borderlands for a month and then they're going to go back to games. You might as well just go ahead and get that content out and, and keep that player base um, engaged. And then... On Destiny 3, we've talked about leaks and stuff concerning it, and they keep talking about um, how the game's moving to a more PvE-focused thing, and I think that's probably accurate. I think that leak holds up, and I think what what ultimately is going to happen is I think Bungie will create some game-as-service game, and it's probably going to be free-to-play or a really low price point that's a PvP game, because they received $100 million from NetEase about a year ago, to make a new IP, and I bet that they just make a PvP game using that, some type of competitive shooter, and then they let Destiny just be a PvE thing, and they split that game in two. Um, is my prediction for what Bungie's going to do in the near future. Um, I, I might be off base, but I I just think that would be the easiest thing for them to turn around and and, and use that money. Thank you again, Adam, for hopping on the show. I, Appreciate you. That again, yeah. you, you made me want to play a game that I did not enjoy. <laughs> I'll yeah. take any opportunity to yeah, in, any opportunity to trash Kyle. I am all in, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, Brooks, if you don't mind, why don't you um, help us wrap up as we wrap up every episode by telling us what's in the box? Yeah, it's a pair of uh, what looked like worn Wranglers. And (laughs) there's something, hold on a second. There's something in the back pocket. I'm almost afraid to, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a dick pic from Brett Favre. 